Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Canada's podcast. My name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host for the Atlantic Canada version of, uh, of Canada's podcast, and just really, really honored to be speaking to rock stars throughout our great region. Um, and uh, today, well, trust me, this is going to be a very, very impactful conversation because my guest today is Natalie Doyle Oldfield. Now, Natalie has got an amazing um, journey that she's been on with regards to being in, uh, in the IT world, uh, being in the marketing world, being in the sales world. And we're going to take a bit of a journey through her trajectory and being an entrepreneur also. So I'm just going to move my eyes a bit to the left because I've got a quick overview of what Natalie has been doing for her, uh, for her journey over the last little while. First of all, she's located in Halifax, and she's the author of Power of Trust, How Top Companies Build, Manage, and Protect It, and President of Success Through Trust. And uh, she's been recognized as Canada's most inspiring women business leaders and entrepreneurs in 2021, and she's really on a mission to help businesses grow. Now, interesting about 2021, her career in this journey starts way before then. So uh, we were actually just laughing about um, when we were getting ready about, I said, you make it seem so easy, Natalie. She says, it's not easy, Rivers. Mm -hmm. Thank you for reminding me of that. Because, of course, as entrepreneurs, we know that that stuff uh, doesn't come easy. It comes with a a lot of tenacity and uh, and perseverance. So she's been named the world's top, sorry, she's been named one of the world's top leader in trust for five consecutive years by Trust Across America and has been recognized with a Lifetime Achievement Award. So all of this to say that when what she's going to talk about today with her journey, uh, with her business, Success Through Trust, is you can trust what she's going to say. So Natalie, welcome to Canada's podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me, Rivers. It's great to be here. Well, it's going to be a great journey. So Let's go back to those beginning days, if we could, because trust as a as a business is is not new is not uh, I, I would say something that you know you see in every corner. But yeah. for some reason, you grabbed onto trust as a as a component of success for businesses, and then decided to build a business around it. So let's talk about that aha moment where you said that trust is so critically important in uh, the success for companies? Okay. Um, well, I'm not sure there was an aha moment. It truly, okay. was, it truly was a journey. Um, and for me, it started um, while I was working full-time at a software company that did business all around the world. And um, I spent, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of my career, about 25 years, working in a number of uh, positions, a variety of types of positions in the IT world, primarily. Right. So I did, you know, marketing, marketing communications, lead generation, product management, product development, um, program management, uh, all these things for some really amazing uh, regional leaders and worldwide leaders in the software industry. And I was really fortunate not only to do it here in Halifax, but, you know, in the U.S. and other parts um, of the world. So it was really 
great opportunity. And um, I always worked in what I would, you know, call the marketing arena and was always very close to customers and customer relationships. I really believe in, you know, creating and, and providing solutions and products that, that companies and customers need and want that solve problems. So with that backdrop, uh, I was asked to lead the sales team in a company in 2008. And I really push back on that rivers because I'm a firm believer that, you know, I was then too, that, um, you know, no one really wants to be sold to. Mm. And um, when you're in sales, it's accountable, right? Like you're only as good as your last sale and right, on. right out there. It's like every quarter, every month you have to talk about, you know, what's happening and results. Results. And so, um, I, like I said, I was asked multiple times to take over the sales team and I really um, finally decided it was the right thing for the company and the right thing for me. But I was scared. I mean, I can now admit out loud, I was scared. In fact, I was terrified because <laughs> everything was going great. Right. And so I took it over and, you know, unfortunately for me, it was like August, 2008. And some of your listeners may recall that in September 2008, we had a big financial crisis and the hospitality industry and the meeting space industry was hit really hard, as it always is when we have a financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So we were selling our software to the, to the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, our sales, you know, I started, our sales went from here and then to here. Like everything just stopped. Oh, and lucky you. So I was in a bit of a pickle, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. my team was, you know, not happy. Um, and our customers weren't buying. And so I just looked around and started seeking out, you know, best practices, trying to figure out how do you sell? Because now I had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And um we sold, um, you know, on a recurring basis. So we had some software as a service. We also had some, you know, direct sales that were, um, you know, one-offs. We had distributors, we had partners. And so everyone I talked to, to figure out how to do this and what sales courses I should take, they all said, well, it, there's no magic formula. You, you actually, you know, there's no process. And like I said, I really believe that none of us want to be sold to. And what I kept coming back to was it's all based on relationships. Right. So my team and I focused a hundred percent on relationships. It was, it was very different than what we did before. And I just said, look, let's just do the basics. Let's get back to basics and focus on the relationships mm -hmm. and do whatever we can do to help the customers. And doesn't, even if it's not our solution and, you know, within a couple of months, and it did take a couple of months, the sales started going up. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. So can I, can I stop you there? And do you have any nuggets where you said, just help the customer? Do you, was, there, was there one or two, nuggets golden nuggets that 
that you attribute to sales going back up again? Um, in that case, not really, other than um, we we just stayed in front of the customer. I guess right. that the it, it was consistently staying in front of them. Right. Got and it. so at the same time, Rivers, um, I had decided that I'm really going to figure this out. I'm going to dig in and figure out how this works. And so mm-hmm. I went back to university and did a master's program. And I did my graduate research all going into it to figure out the science behind how we decide to buy. Did uh, did you do that was still working with the company or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was working full time. So I did my graduate work part time, one course mm-hmm. at a time or, you know, mm-hmm. when kids were younger too, I have two children. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my youngest was 10 years old and uh, my, or my oldest was 10. My youngest was, was uh, six. So it was busy times. Mm-hmm. Um and I was teaching part-time at a local university because I love to teach. Yep. Um, and so what I learned while doing my research that it actually all comes back to one thing, trust. Mm-hmm. We decide to buy based on trust. We decide to invest based on trust, to hire someone on our team. Everything comes down to trust. It, it is the number one competitive advantage every single company has, every single business owner has, every single person has. It's all based on trust. First, we decide to trust. Then we decide on everything else. Then we decide if we're going to listen to someone. Then we get to decide if we're going to watch a demo, whether we're going to go on a podcast. and so. I learned this in my academic research and then with my sort of business hat on working with lots of amazing business leaders over the years from, you know, large multinational companies (laughs) to small companies. I always had in the back of my mind, what can be managed should be measured. So I built a proprietary framework and, um, a measurement tool to actually measure the customer's trust and our stakeholders' trust in a company. Did you do that uh, through uh, your school or your schooling, or did, is that, was that part of your 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 research study, if I could call it that, to re- your 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 thesis? And I know I don't think you, you did a thesis, but uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, okay, you did do that. Okay, yeah. cool. So the, yes, that was the thesis, and um, so I created this framework, and then. I graduated uh, and then continued on for um, approximately four more years to actually build out the measurement tool. Because when you create a scientifically valid research tool that's academic, uh, peer-reviewed, yes, it, it takes several years and multiple types of studies. So and and so the final the final product, um, the framework and my tool has been tested with an audience size, sample size of 90,000 people. So it's, you know, it's 
each time the validity goes up. And um, so I went through that big, long process. It was about seven years. Yeah, right. Um, and, um, you know, I got so excited about it that I started well working full time, teaching clients, teaching everybody how to follow this step by step process and showing them the science and the evidence behind how we decide to trust. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then I started creating assessment tools and, you know, you ask about the journey, you know, first I created this workbook that has, you know, the framework in it and some assessment tools. And then, um, I started, then I eventually started my own company successor trust yes. and started working with companies and doing these workshops full time to teach people. And then, as you mentioned, um, I wrote a book about it um, before anyone was really talking about trust. Um, I, you know, wrote this book, The Power of Trust, How Top Companies Build, Manage and Protect It. Um, and, you know, coined the, the term trust equity in 2013 when, you know, people were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And um, yeah. now, I mean, we're in a totally different environment, right? Now we can yeah. open the newspaper or turn the TV on and we hear the word. And um, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been interesting. And um, I so true, and you're a true pioneer in the space, even though the word's been around for gazillions of years to actually yeah. take it and apply it into a business setting and a framework that has got structure behind it. That's uh, that's really um, a testament to to your vision. Now, there's there's a couple of things that I, I wanted to allude to. One is an observation for our guest. You notice she had her books and her uh, her guide uh, workbook right there, so she could show us. So that's a <laughs> real great technique that that uh, comes in the ability. And at the end, we're gonna um, we're gonna talk about how people can get in touch with you. But I want to talk about those first two first couple of customers because um, they 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 were being tested. You were testing the That's theory. Right. What are some of the sales techniques that you used for those first? I'm gonna say five to ten clients who came to you or you came to them. Well, can you talk about those first days of bringing sure. this model? Um, to, to a point where people were buying? Yeah, uh, sure. Well, I it really started with me sharing the framework and sharing, uh, I created eight principles of trust rivers and and the the model of how to build trust. And when I mm-hmm. say sharing, I mean sharing. So talking about it um, and and showing people that and explaining to people how we bought how we decide to buy and i would say that my clients who were the early adopters right um, and i you know many that i still work with i'm very grateful and very lucky because i still work with a lot of these companies today they really understood because they are some of the most successful companies, quite honestly, not only in the region, but in the world, mm-hmm. um, they know trust is a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. People often ask me, what kind of companies do you work with? Like, who would yeah. be interested <laughs> of in course. This, right? yeah. Is it people that have a problem? Well, sometimes it's people that know they have a 
trust problem or trust issue. But most of the time, it's, it's, you know, companies that are very successful, you know, they're best managed companies, they're very successful, and they know that keeping or have earning the customer's trust or the employee's trust or the stakeholder's trust is a competitive advantage. And those that focus on it really know that it's the right thing to do. And yeah, you, you mentioned uh, something in uh, the PDF I received, um, increasing customer retention rates by 5% can increase profits by 25 to 95%. Can you talk yes. about that? Well, that's not my statistic. That actually came from McKinsey. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of, so, there, so there are many benefits, as we know, to having our customers trust. Right. And one benefit is customers stay with us, right? right? Another benefit is they recommend our products and services to people they know. Another benefit is they pay more money for the products and service, right? Mm-hmm. A really good example mm-hmm. might be Starbucks coffee, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's $5 to buy or, you know, $4 or three, wherever you live. It's in and around $5, let's say, um, to buy a cup of coffee. Well, you can go down the street and buy a cup of coffee in some places for a dollar or a euro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they have they have the trust in their customers so customers pay more so when we talk about retention for a number of businesses it's it, they want to keep it's a growth strategy to keep your customers and sell more and offer more products and services or do more projects with a customer so for example if you're a construction company or you are an engineering firm and you do a great job on a project with a client, say, mm-hmm. you're, you're, say you're renovating a building mm-hmm. for a company and you're an engineering firm. Well, as most of us know, renovations are more complicated than a new build. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do a great job with that renovation, there's a higher likelihood that that company that's done a renovation with you, the next time they do a project, they're going to recommend you. Or the next mm-hmm. time they want to build on to your factory or build on to your building, they're going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Trust is also at the foundation of customer experience. It's, it's foundational to customer experience. So a lot of times I work with companies to help them improve the customer experience. It starts with the relationship. So when you're working with salespeople now, uh, as an example, um, is there usually pushback when you work with them because they're saying, well, wait a minute now, I've got integrity here. I've got a good reputation and trust over and lies. Do they feel threatened by you coming into their their workplace to talk more about trust? Um, sometimes, but mostly not. 
So what I share mm-hmm. with, with people is reputation. And you have to remember, mm-hmm. I have, um, so reputation is about past performance, mm-hmm. right? Trust is, is a belief that someone is going to do the right thing and act in our best interests and having a faith in their future state. So when I share the science and the evidence behind how we decide to trust and share that the research that um, I've done and the models that I've proven out is that when you have high trust equity rivers, you actually have, it actually positively, significantly, and I don't want to get too academic here, but it affects buying behavior. People buy Mm -hmm. more. They do mm. additional. They do additional projects, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is, you know, if you're in sales or account management, you you want to know about this. Mm-hmm. You're, and and most of the salespeople that I work with, they know that the environment's different, right? There's, mm-hmm. it's a competitive market, and not that it hasn't always been, but it's now. People are more skeptical and more critical now, Rivers, than they've right. ever been. Ever. In, in, in my opinion, in the history of time. And with this skepticism, you can have the best mousetrap, but you have to have the customer's trust. Yeah, and, 100%. And I, as I mentioned, I, you know, I work with some companies that sell to customers, but I primarily work on the business-to-business side. And on the business to business side, it's all about relationships. That's all we have left. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when I work with sales teams and, and sales engineers and people that support sales teams, they all want a competitive advantage. Rivers, right, 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 right. So they're so, embracing it. You're coming. And, you're and coming they all, with- yeah, like they all want to become, which is the ultimate goal, a trusted advisor. Right, right, right. right. Is, is there a sector that you've you've discovered has really gravitated towards uh, um, um, what your programs um, bring, the the offers they bring? Um, Finance, you said all, before. It's a great IT. question. Um, not really, and I say that because you know, right now I'm working with, as an example, I'm working with, um, you know people in manufacturing, Mm -hmm. uh, engineering firms, professional services firms, financial services, um, healthcare, um, cybersecurity, IT, uh, hardware companies. If you think about it, Rivers, every single industry, every single sector can only grow with the trust of their customers. Actually, it transcends every industry and every sector. There are some companies though, that, um, you know, it's like I was saying, the companies that that, um, gravitate to this and that I would say, you know, we're most aligned with are those that are very successful and those that really do want to offer an extraordinary, a fantastic customer experience and really do want to 
uh, have close relationships with their customers. Yeah, so your your niche is those customers who are, who are doing very well and just want to become even more powerful, more um, uh, uh, credible with their yeah. existing customers versus, yeah. hey, I'm in trouble. I need some help here. Can you come in and help us and start from scratch? Your customer base seems to be those that say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I want to do better than well. Yeah. And this, and this looks like it's an avenue we need to explore. Yes. Now, I will say, you know, there's a caveat to that. I have worked in the last two years <laughs> with <laughs> a lot of companies <laughs> um, from various sectors that have been in trouble. So right. a lot of companies that I've worked with in the last few years have had, you know, supply chain issues, have had disengaged employees have had teams where the productivity is not as high, have had um, customer retention issues, uh, have had um, labor issues, and they, they want to maintain the trust equity they have and have realized that the trust equity has decreased. So, yeah, I I primarily work with companies, as you said, that know it's a competitive advantage, they're already successful. But let's face it, I mean, the last few years have been pretty tough for business owners. Pretty and tough. And, pretty tough. Um, you know, a lot of my clients have had a really rough time. And um, I have, using one of my products that I mentioned to you, um, the client trust index. So that's a diagnostic tool. Um, we have measured the trust equity of a number of clients, customers over the last few years and have seen significant dips in trust equity. You know, their onboarding processes have, have changed, right? You haven't been able to see mm-hmm. them face to face. Um, and then the other thing that's happened in the last few years um, is that people are... Um, realizing that the most critical trust risk point for every company, it doesn't matter if you are a company of two people or a company of 100,000. If you're in Halifax, if you're in Vancouver, you're in Edmonton, you're in San Diego, Israel, Germany, it doesn't matter. The, the, the number one critical trust risk point for every single company, mm-hmm. every single organization is people. Mm. How they communicate, how they behave, and how they serve customers, whether the customer is an internal customer in another department or external. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, that they, you know, Companies that I may have not attracted in the past know that we have to train our people so that everybody can play their part, if you will, in building relationships of trust with with customers. And, you know, it's, you know, it always starts with the business owner, right? Or Or the leader or the founder. But it it's it's a it's a cultural thing and building and keeping a culture of trust 
is really the most important thing a company can do to how do you do it well how do you how do you do it with your company because you've got you've got players you were talking about agents the other day that you have you know how do yeah. you how does how does your company success through trust build its trucks factor indices to be really high and you just take a couple of them but um yeah, how do you actually do it well i i i practice what i would share with my clients right mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm you know one big thing is you know i'm always uh communicating and i'm always listening and trying to figure out what's most important and there's a mutual understanding always right mm -hmm. I mean, building a relationship of trust number one step is is to listen mm -hmm. with empathy and compassion and mm -hmm. to involve other people in conversations and in decisions that affect them mm -hmm. so that's sort of the first step and you know that that is also principle number one to building trust and you know so that i i work hard to listen not only to my team but to my clients to figure out what's important to them what's not important what the challenge is and really understand their situation because a lot of times you know what we see is not really what it is right right, right. i mean not reality it's not reality. Like, it's like you said before, when we were, you know, talking before we got all the audio and everything working, right? Like it all might look easy, but it's, it's flipping hard. <laughs> it's difficult, right? It's challenging. So what's one of the things that, uh, what's been one of your biggest challenges that you faced over your career and how did you overcome it? Wow. Over my career. Well, um, it's not it's not skill testing. So if if it's not the first the, the right answer, that's okay. I know it'll be a great answer. What are the biggest challenges? Um, you know what? I'm not sure it was the challenge with my career, but I think in, one of the biggest challenges I had when I started Success Through Trust um, was really figuring out how to talk about what I did. And what's really interesting, Rivers, mm. so you know what? So no one's asked me this question, um, but that really was, was um, and still is to some extent, the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. um, the good news for me is everyone's talking about it now. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but in the beginning, like I knew because I always people would tell me they had this problem. Like, you know, how do you partner more? How do we get the customer to buy more? How do we get them to stay with us? How do we get them to recommend us? How do I get my people to be able to talk to customers without me being in the room? How, how do I, mm -hmm. you know, I have clients that say that to me all the time. Or I have also, you know, another client that says, oh God, we just got to figure out how bad it really is. Like, how do we measure this? Mm -hmm. Or I hear, you know, I lay awake at night. I have one client that said, I lay awake at night because I just wish everybody cared as much about the customer as I do. Mm -hmm. And so I know all that now. But in the beginning, the biggest challenge was educating people 
so that they would see the business case and and they would see the power of trust. Yeah, it's so what do you do with a company? Is there is there a point that you say to the leader of the company, look, I've done some initial assessments, you've got a team of 50 people, say, and and you know, half of them aren't really buying into what it is that we're bringing to them right now with incorporating trust as a key strategic initiative. Do you run into that situation or do you run into a situation that you say, I can't help you because you're not ready to do what I need you to do? And um, and that's because there's an investment and, and you know, it only takes one egg to spoil it all, right? So that's right. What do you do in, what do you do in that case? Um, so I have run into both of those situations. Um, and really it comes back around to people realizing and appreciating and really wanting to provide an extraordinary experience and really wanting to and valuing the trust of their relationships, whether it's employees, um, you know, stakeholders, customers, and mm-hmm. um, and and recognizing that it is a skill. So that's the thing, Rivers. It is a skill. Mm-hmm. Learning how to build trust is a skill that you can learn. You can cultivate it and you can develop it. Right. And like I said, at the end of the day, it's actually the most important skill we can all learn. And, um, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, learning to be vulnerable, learning to be authentic, learning to be uh, empathetic, um, you know, learning to be a good listener, learning to, to um, do all these, what I would call human skills. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, actually a very recent study came out, like within the last few weeks by McKinsey, that that talked about the 52, I think it's 52 or 53, I can send it to you, most important skills we need to have, employees need to have in this new business environment. And one, of mm, course, is inspiring trust, right? Of course it is. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's so important. And so um, people, you know, I still work with people that, that you know, join programs. So I have a six-week program, as an example, that um, is a group program. And we have a cohort of leaders. We limit it to a certain number, to 10, so that it can be interactive because it's live virtual. And sometimes we have, you know, we have everyone from project managers to engineers to salespeople to sales engineers to quality control people to plant managers warehouse managers general managers v- I had a controller VP of finance we have lots of different people in these groups mm-hmm. and sometimes in the beginning there is a little skepticism they're like what is this right I mean yeah. it's yeah, leadership right. training but it usually doesn't take long once we start talking about it Right. And once once we start talking about the science behind how we decide to trust and how we make decisions, 
doesn't take long, right? So, yeah, you know, people are skeptical. Um, However, what's really exciting is that there are lots of companies out there and there's so many people now that recognize that it is a skill that can be learned and they want to learn it. They want it for their career because they want their company to flourish because they want to be a good corporate citizen because they want to be socially responsible, like all these reasons. Yeah. It's what's, what's interesting is that it's been around forever, trust and relationships that solidifies it, but um, we can become better at it. We can become stronger. We can become more in tune to key elements that ultimately strengthen that that uh, that, that that trust factor uh, in a way that's going to turn the volume up a bit more. So it's um, yeah. I think it's kind of interesting how people now are able to say, okay, I can structure this. I know I have to do it, but now I can structure it, and with the right structure behind it through proven systems, I can now really really benefit uh, not only myself but of course our, our clients. So so. Um, how can people get a hold of your book? You can go to my website, which is successthroughtrust.com, or you can go to uh, Amazon, and uh, it's called The Power of Trust, How Top Companies Build, Manage, and Protect It. And, uh, or you can reach out to me directly through LinkedIn or through my website or, uh, you know, send me a direct message. Yeah, I think I think it's a uh, I, I think it's a thing that people should do. Um, again, I, one of my favorite sayings is it's 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 so obvious you didn't it didn't even realize it was obvious. So that's uh, that's all I think you're going to get off of this journey with Natalie is understanding some obvious things around trust that you didn't realize, even though you know the trust is an important part of your journey. If that all makes sense, what just came out of my mouth. <laughs> well, it but, does, yeah. Rivers. And, and you know, so that is, that is it in a nutshell, that it's so important and it truly is the most important asset a company has. It's a right. competitive advantage. Yes. And when you, when you pay attention and actually work on it, just like if you worked on safety in the workplace, you have a safer workplace. Just like if you worked on your fitness level, just like if you if you saved, you know, a dollar a week, it's all these uh, cumulative actions, behaviors and the way you serve that builds your trust equity. And it's about deliberate, consciously making conscious, deliberate. Actions, behaviors and communication that build trust, right? It's like deposits. It's like a right. common interest. Do you practice? Do you practice this at home with your family? I try every day. With your family. Uh... I, I strive to, <laughs> and see that's the great thing about that's the great thing about this is that you know none of us are perfect. Rivers, I try. Right. I strive to. Um, however, every day is a different day, and you know there's probably lots of days. That you know, I'm probably not the best listener. Sometimes you know, <laughs> it, it's it's quite regular that sometimes you know my husband might say, "I told you this, Natalie, didn't you remember?" And I'm like, mm, <laughs> "Right." I mean, I strive to, but you know, the, the reality oh, awesome. is, um, it's it's still a work in progress. I yeah. I work every day to be a trusted advisor, not only you know 
to my clients and and my friends and my colleagues, but it, it's a uh, it's an ongoing right. You can mm. never never stop. Mm. So, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, you're you're playing it. What I love about what your journey is about, you actually <clears throat> you actually are driven by passion. You're driven by a uh, a component of you didn't really know where where it was going to go. So that's true entrepreneurship. Um, you found a golden nugget of value to be able to serve customers around the world, which is fantastic in this day and age. And um, and you know you're not just about being a facilitator. You're also about being a woman business owner that really is driving entrepreneurship to the next level with your business. Now, do you have any team members that work with you in helping you to facilitate the programs? Oh yeah, I, of course. Um, I have an operations manager. Uh, I have a great, phenomenal editor. Uh, I work with a marketing agency. I have a bookkeeper, um, an accountant. Um, I work with a couple of speakers bureaus. Um, right on. And I, as you, you alluded to, I have a, business development agent in the US. Um, uh, my online course is on different platforms. Um, I work with association, different associations that have accredited my online course. And I really look to them as partners because yeah, they're all totally. your members who are taking my online course, becoming a trusted advisor to, you know, have their ongoing um, certified professional. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. How, long, how long has that been in existence? Um, accreditation. Well, with different organizations, um, di- uh, various amount of time. Yeah, so yeah, good for you. Over the last few years, yeah. That, that's like getting tenured. It's like getting tenured. Okay, well there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, that is one thing that's kind of kind of fun. Actually, is that you know I'll meet project managers that say, okay, well you know. I'm I'm doing this for my for my PMP certification, or I have professional engineers. I've even had a you know a group of um, lawyers, uh, accountants that do it. Um, you know, technical designations, um, insurance, financial services. So um, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. Well, Natalie, look, look, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I promised you I would take 30 minutes. It's taken 50. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's all right. But well, that's, that's the other right. thing I talk a lot. <laughs> but that's good. I mean, when the, when the conversation is great and captivating, you don't mind keeping it going. And Thank that was that's the point. I make that reference point. So, uh, so yeah, that, that you, people now know how to get a hold of you. They know now how to get your book and so on. So, Thank you so much for being an amazing Atlantic Canadian entrepreneur uh, with the uh, with the, with the golden nugget nugget around trust, and, and and I'm equally as happy to hear that you're being successful with it. So keep up the magic, and thanks so much for being part of Canada's podcast. Thanks for having me, Rivers.